Do you use workspaces effectively? No, never. It's all just in one <laughs> chaos zone. I'm going to change my keyboard so we don't hear it clicking the whole time. Oh, what did you retire? Did you retire the gaming oh, this cube? one, this fancy looking Apple. one. Ooh, one of those. Newfy. I see ads for things like that. This is exactly how I bought it. It's one of the few things where I was like, there's an ad for that. And like, I looked at the price and I was like, ah, I don't know. Shouldn't do that. The next day I saw an ad, I was like, mm, kind of want that. Other than looking nice, is is it a nice keyboard to use? Yeah, I like it a lot. It's solid aluminum oh, yeah, on cool. the back. You can choose corded or wireless, and it just looks good. I like that. It's a little bit nice. clicky. Oh, too clicky for quick podcasts. Feeling a little bit scattered this morning. Where's my? I remember writing a checklist. <laughs> Did I put that in Airtable? You put a check. Wait, wait, are in Airtable? You put a list on our rundown. Ah, there it is. Ooh, how are you? Good, good, good. I've been, I took a couple days off, had some family. As the name implies, Portland is fairly close to the coast and not on mm. the coast, though, which is funny. It's about an hour, hour and a half to get there. And I go pretty frequently. My wife likes to go, but out there for a couple days. It was nice. How about you? Oh, yeah, good. Thanks. As usual. Getting through things. Yeah, I remembered something. We need to do our clap. Good thinking. Exciting how laggy that is. Yeah, it is. I legitimately think that the lag is the amount of time that the signal takes to get back and forth. I looked it up. It's like 0.1 seconds of fastest speed of internet back mm. and forth. And I think it's that amount of time because when I line them up, All it's right. about 0.1. So I think we're dead yeah. on. It's the internet's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, did you find some streamlining editing tricks this week? Yeah, when both of us speak, we leave gaps. Sometimes they just seem awkward. And there's a way into script to replace any amount of time gap. So it could be like replace two second gaps with 0.5. And yeah. it just goes through the whole thing and splices them out. That, I think, saved some time. It's nice. It's cool. Pretty fancy. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to other, like I listened to a few chatty podcasts. And I've started hearing them differently in terms of <laughs> conversation style, but also how edited or unedited they are. Yep. It's been interesting to observe. I feel like we're at that stage where we're like feeling a bit, little bit precious and tight, carrying most of the editing load, but then I'm running through it as well and like getting rid of my coffee slurps and awkward <laughs> phrases. But I think as you get more comfortable with most things, like remember the first time you run a CNC, you check 50 times <laughs> and now it's like, go for it. And I think I'm getting to that place with this where it's like, ah, it sounds mostly good. Yeah. 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 It's episode 10. It's a nice yeah. little milestone. Oh yeah. I was going to tell you. So we have 14 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> Watch out. Watch but out. It's, it's growing exponentially, which is nice. Oh yeah. We had two in one day. Awesome. Again, I don't know who has time to watch podcasts on YouTube. So thanks to those people for making thank, the time. Thank, thank you for watching us. Like and subscribe. <laughs> What's your YouTube count on PDX? What's the subscribers? Yeah. It's like 4,700. <laughs> Excuse me, 4,700. I was just over at my friend's shop and we were yelling a lot because it was so loud. And I was like, that was probably not smart right before this. My voice is a little raw. Warm up. I've just dragged myself out of bed, so I sing badly in the office before 
turning that the microphone sense. on to just try to wake my voice up. I've heard your pre-recordings and they make me laugh every time. Oh, you haven't heard these pre-recordings. Oh, you don't, you don't publish <laughs> I, I don't, those. I don't send you these ones. He <laughs> <laughs> trims off that part. Uh, it's 4,700 some, which is nice. It seems to kind of trickle. Mm. I think YouTube is the only account that I'm aware of that actually the longevity of posts, published things, actually seems to mm. matter. Every other mm. account, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, anything else, it just it's like you got a day or maybe a week. It's your best before it just disappears. And like I post yeah. from 2018 that are still doing great. It's interesting you say that because I've never uh, actively used YouTube as a social outlet for the business, but I have been posting videos there occasionally over the years. And there are the private training videos that we share internally with a QR or something. Or yep. occasionally I'll throw up a video there to share with a client or I've put bits mm-hmm. and bobs up there. Anyway, maybe like six six or nine months ago, just out of nowhere, before we had the pencil shop and I used to machine the dowels on the flatbed with the shark. And one of those videos just went Oh yeah. Overnight. Suddenly I was just like getting heaps of views and as a result getting subscribers out of nowhere because I probably had like four subscribers <laughs> prior to this. And this video went from nothing to It'd been there for about two years too. Like it was not a new video and mm-hmm. it went from no views to like 350,000 in the course of a couple of weeks. That's a huge, I'd have nothing of that level. Yeah. It was funny. It was like my TikTok explorations were basically a year of nothing. And then yeah. suddenly <laughs> I had something that was like, I'd have a thousand views and mm. I suddenly had one now that's hit a hundred thousand. And that's basically like, a good half of all of my YouTube views in one video. Yeah, yeah. But it's just nothing else ever does those kind of numbers. That's an interesting story that I have some correlation to that, whereas I was doing those M1 Mac computer videos mm. and they kind of have a pretty good take right away, which is nice. But then I noticed the next time Apple did their little presentation, they're let's talk about the next computers, big mm. spike. It's like people were going uh, to search and I was like, this is weird seeing it in live, like real time, <laughs> seeing it happen. Yeah, interesting. I'm a bit of a sucker for those videos, I must admit. What's your DD breakthrough? <laughs> DD. DD is my default diary. Oh. Had a bit of a win. And I kind of feel weird talking about it because it feels too soon and maybe I'll jinx myself by <laughs> talking about it too soon. But I'll talk about it anyway. Talk about it. The default diary has been a really useful tool for managing my time. And it's the bits of it have been super effective. Like my quoting block has been very powerful. Yeah. And mornings are typically pretty good. And then afternoons tend to dissolve into chaos of just random <laughs> tasks and same unfocused time, which doesn't feel very efficient or productive. Anyway, I had a bit of a win this week because I was looking Monday night, I was looking at my to-do list in mm-hmm. Airtable. And I was like, all the like random stuff that I add to like the equivalent of what you write on the back of your hand, where it's like, oh, I can't forget to do that tonight or tomorrow all of that stuff was like stacking up at the top of the list mm. and com- completely obscuring all the like important stuff that had fallen off the bottom of the screen mm. all the urgent was overriding the important mm-hmm. so to speak i was like this is not working a i'm not getting through any of these minor urgent things but i'm also not seeing the important stuff i re-filtered it all in Airtable, and i've now just got views for each time of the day so like when yesterday morning I came in, I was like, cool, I've got R&D slot. And I set up some automation. So I get a Slack message at 6 a.m. saying, 
R&D time starts now. And just kind of reminding me of the value of that time as well, like a couple of little notes in there. And so then I click into a view in Airtable and it only shows me R&D tasks. And then at, at 8 a.m. my production time starts and I click on the production view and it only shows me production tasks. And it still has those little urgent things that are filtered through, like there might be some random little thing I need to do, but I'll do it in my production. And I just found that super powerful yesterday. I got through so much more so much more efficiently and even little things finding a receipt for sarah which had been on my to-do list for like weeks i was like cool i'm in that sort of general admin zone now and like there's a whole list of these little tasks but they look quite achievable because they're filtered and i'm not seeing r and yeah. production and marketing all at once and so my time was much more focused and effective and i think the other thing for me is not having trying to make every day as consistent as possible. I'm <laughs> terrible if there's things on my list which only happen on like Tuesday afternoons because I get to Tuesday afternoon every week and there's always something else that's kind of distracting me, whereas I'm trying to format it. So like even if it's only half an hour, it happens every day. So I can get to those things consistently and form a habit. I yeah. work in progress, but felt really good. Um, I love when I answer with um, um, the... <laughs> kind of funny that you bring that up i mean i think we're similar i told my wife i'm always feeling like i'm trying to change myself with these kind of things mm. when you brought up the whole default diary it hit me in a time where i felt nothing was scheduled in my life and so i've been experimenting with that i think i've let it go i've been scheduling what i do during those times but i've had this calendar set up where i kind of modified a version of yours but i really enjoy the one aspect of it, like you said, in the morning when I get here and nobody's around, I do the whole R&D thing. And I like look cool. forward to that so much yeah. over the rest of it. And sometimes it just I let it I executively choose to let it go through the rest <laughs> of the day. Most of my day is just like, I'm just going to keep doing R&D because we need this done. That That's good. I find often I'm bad at like trying to organize what I'm doing in each of those blocks in advance. Yes. Like, the difficulty of, I was just noting while you were writing, I found this with t any type of task system I've used over the years, the amount of time I need to enter it in and like, and organize it is kind of mm. inversely proportional to like how useful it is, or if I'll do it, or if it'll be clean. It's hot there in the desert, but it's clean. It's clean. And yeah. so I was curious, like, do you think what you're doing is sustainable? Or do you have problems with that where it's too much effort to kind of keep up the system that makes you useful? Yeah, that's a great, great point. I think I've always struggled with maintaining or being consistent with systems. Like I've always migrated from one list system, one app to another mm -hmm. pretty pretty haphazardly or no, pretty regularly. And I've never been loyal to one thing. I used Workflowy for a really long time, but now Workflowy has been superseded by Airtable and I've got this graveyard of like, must be thousands of, tens of thousands of notes and ideas in Workflowy that's just kind of an archive now. And I don't know if I'll ever get back to that. I feel really weird about that cache of ideas sitting there, potentially never to see the light of day again, but I think that's just the reality. And then I've got the same thing in Apple Notes. Before mm -hmm. I switched to PC, I was using Apple Notes as my primary to-do system and it's an archive there as well. So no, I think what I've got working at the moment 
is good, and yeah. but it does take work to keep up the system, and I'm constantly fiddling with it. And is that time better spent fiddling with your list system or just getting out there and doing stuff? Yeah, exactly. I have the exact problem. We made a whole Airtable base for the Knackball development, and I'm thinking to myself when we're doing it, oh, this is going to be amazing. I've set up so many of these, and they're always this kind of mishmash of ideas until we finally realize how we're going to use it. This time, yeah. I was like, I know exactly how we're going to set this up. It's really clean, but there's something odd about it where, I mean, at this point, it's just basically me that maybe Ricky a little bit had been working on it, but when we had a couple other people. We would talk about it. We'd have meetings. We'd put in all the things we're going to work on, and then nobody would touch it. Yeah. There's something about the way that it like was set up. It was too organized or something, or I can't even describe it, but I have Slack notifications every day. That's literally shaming me. That's like, you got zero <laughs> knack wall things accomplished today. And Thanks I still don't accomplishments. Awesome. do anything with it. And it's so frustrating. I have the same issues and I do the same thing where I like jump from system to system. And yeah, I don't know. I don't have any answers, but I think I would ride the high of it feeling productive and take that as long as it can if it was me. Yeah. Yeah, it's trying to form a habit. I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, I do the same thing by making new lists and new Airtable bases of maintenance or product development, but it's so easy for those things to get lost or just not seen on a daily basis. Um, and then you're like, oh, I wrote a list for this somewhere. I think, where is it? I love that about workflow -y. That was one of my favorite parts is this exact thing that I think I'll probably live with my entire life. I'll <laughs> find one list system too much. It's too much to look at or whatever. And I'm like, I have all these new ideas and I know about myself, but I need to dump them out. So I'll just make mm -hmm. a new node and workflowy, hide all the rest, dump it all out there. <laughs> so I've got like duplicate ideas everywhere. Yeah, same, same, same. Yeah. It's I mean, I felt really positive about these changes yesterday, but at the same time, I'm really overwhelmed about riding home last week on the bike i find a really good headspace for like thinking and ideas yeah but i'm a little bit overwhelmed by just like how many ideas i have that i want to execute on and like what to do about that like I yes. my to-do list is constantly overflowing with things that i want to action or interesting ideas or you know prototypes or techniques i want to try and there's no way i'll get to all of it so do I just let let it naturally sort of die off in a sort of natural form of attrition and ideas that I forget about, therefore just drop off the list and the ideas that I remember float to the top of the list? I don't know. I have the exact same struggle. That school taught me almost nothing. All of school, all <laughs> 24 years or whatever it was, too many years about any of that organization things. And I kind of discovered after I graduated, like I got to figure out, especially when I went to do my own thing after my year of architecture, I got to figure out mm -hmm. how to like organize and, and be good at this stuff. And so I found this book via podcast called Getting Things Done. You ever heard of this? GTD. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of this old school, but still relevant mentality that this guy named David something, I forget his last name. But, David um, Allen. David Allen, yeah. It's a really good system, and I still kind of use a modified version of it that the thing I don't do, which I'm thinking about as you're talking, the thing that would be good for me would be to do a review of all the yeah. things I have. And that always has been a negative thing for me, and I need to turn that into a positive. But the thing that 
uh, he always hearkens to is you need a reliable system that you trust because your brain is not good for remembering all the things you need to do that needs to get out of your brain. Then you're freed up to be able to think productively, creatively, and let that system take care of it. Put it into a place where all those ideas, I don't do this well either. I have the same problem where I'm like, I got all these great ideas. But the idea would be you dump them into something and then maybe they're just like a backlog of ideas folder somewhere built into Mm -hmm. it where you can shove that stuff, maybe come back to it, but that it's not constantly harassing your like short-term memory. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd sometimes compare, you know, digital systems like Workflow or Airtable or whatever to like keeping journals or sketchbooks. Mm -hmm. Different times of my life, I've been a regular. I've always got a sketchbook on me even now. It doesn't get much put in it. Mm -hmm. But there's times in my life where my sketchbook has been my main system and then I've got a, a box full of filled up sketchbooks somewhere. And that's a mixture of the same sort of stuff, like product ideas or working through a process or client notes. Okay, it's different with paper. Like I don't, I really value having that box of notes that maybe I'll reference one day, but I, I don't, I never expect to like dig through it and pull out some little bit of gold. I know that I've yeah. got it, but I'm, I don't sort of have any expectation that I need to be able to reference anything in there because you can't search, you can't go into workflow and go, oh, was that idea I had about <laughs> shelves and it filters all the shelves which when you've got the digital tool that you can search years thousands of entries there's a risk there of just like piling too much data into it that maybe that data should just naturally become redundant yeah david david talks about there's a there's a life basically of of a task or like he's all about like actionable things that's definitely filtered into what we do it's the same as what we were talking about last week of you can't say clean bathroom slash like organize shelves like those are two things and one of them is not even defined it's like what is the actual thing you're going to do verbs not nouns and that you you should get rid of the things it's kind of like that whole big fad of like getting rid of things you don't need in your life if you find Mm -hmm. joy in them or not right you should have the same idea with your things you need to do get rid of them once they're once they're no longer going to happen, like don't even let them mm. be in your system anymore, like delete them, archive it, yeah. put it somewhere else. Yeah. So it's out of the clutter. But again, I don't do any of this stuff. Just what, what probably is the best way to do it. If you're a, a guru. Yeah. Nice. So implementing a, re- a review process, that's what you're saying, huh? Yeah. I think that I, yeah, it would definitely be. Yeah. Something I should be doing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ref, reflect, review, reset. That's what the business coach tells me. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, cool. Oh, well, I'll add that to my to-do list. Check. I'll get that thing done. What's do less? Look, it's not dissimilar, actually. Johnny uh, Machinist <gasps> sent a podcast, shared a podcast on the Slack yesterday to everyone here that he'd come across. A bunch of us listened to it yesterday, and it was, it was pretty funny because it, starts off with this example of like an all-in meeting with like a thousand post-it notes on the wall and like just that the culture of coming up with more ideas and always adding more and more ideas that kind of stack on top of each other as opposed to thinking about 
what can we delete? What are we doing that we can delete in order to make us more efficient or more productive? Or so it talks about subtractive, yeah, subtractive idea generation rather than additive. Yeah, I just thought it was a really good episode that I wanted to share in the notes because it's a really powerful idea thinking about what you can get rid of rather than what you can add. I'm pretty sure I've listened to this. I think somebody else sent this to me and yeah. I did find it impactful and Ricky and I did talk about it and I'm glad you brought it up again because I did find it great. We've used that idea in a couple of ways of talking about setting up fixtures for different projects mm. and right. I don't remember the exact example what it was, but it was like, we should make another fixture that does this other thing. And then I remember the conversation was basically, well, what if we did the opposite and we made this one fixture <laughs> do both, like, and not make a separate thing that's confusing. You got to set it up and kind of goes back to that metal quest thing, that, that tour where my brain was kind of exploded on <laughs> how many ways that they got away with doing a one setup operation mm. and just things that I was always like, no, like just do it the right way, do it whatever way works best for the part. And I kind of posted about the pegs we've been trying to make and asking people, how would you cut these? Because we keep getting these world swirls on the end grain. And oh, that's we're, right, try yeah. we're trying to keep it in one setup for the same reason, right? Like we put these in there once, maybe this isn't the right answer. It's kind of hard to know. This shouldn't be an expensive part. It's an accessory. It's small. Why would we want three setups? It should just be one and done, put them in, cut they're done. Like, I don't want to yeah, have to yeah. flip it just to cut the front. So yeah, I think it's did, powerful did idea. Yeah, totally. Good one to remember. Uh, what happened with the swell pattern? Did you resolve? It hasn't gotten back to the machine yet, but Ricky went through, we got a bunch of good, good suggestions. One person, I don't know if you've ever seen these before, uh, suggested a spindle mounted oscillating sander, which is super <laughs> cool. And it actually is like a random orbital oscillating i don't i still haven't found out the price but they make them in i want to say 75 mil up to like i don't know for us it'd be like a five inch sander i've seen them on five axis machines you're saying you could put one on your yeah yeah just goes into a into a collet i believe but i've only seen videos are you running iso 30 totally Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. wow good suggestion for other things too, I don't know that it would be a great fit for this, but part of the struggle with that part is we want a nice little chamfer at the end of it. Mm. And so anything we do after the machine, you can't really get that chamfer back in a good sense. Yeah. Is the sander driven by the spindle or is it mm-hmm. driven? Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Send me a link. I found that somebody had sent me the manufacturer and it's one of those silly companies where they give you no information on how to buy it. It's just like, here's a thing. Oh, yeah. Here's a video. Speaking of toys, I'm going to a tool show tomorrow. Oh. Man, yeah, it's kind of, I think it's Australia's equivalent of your IMTS. I was wondering. So that'll, cool. That'll be tiny compared to Monstrosity. Is it called, is it called AMTS? No. I don't kind of remember <laughs> what it's called. It's quite confused in terms of its branding. It's got multiple titles. Uh, so I, I don't know what it's called. Anyway. Flying to Sydney in the morning, bit of a jaunt, that'd be fun. And I was telling Sarah, she was like, why are there flights in the calendar on Friday? I was like, oh, I'm going to Sydney to a tool show. So like, right, cool. I'm going to go down to some dodgy shop and put a fraudulent transaction through on the company credit card so it gets cancelled for the weekend. Oh, boy. She knows me too well. Um, That's how I got a CNC. It was a tool show. Looking forward to seeing all the little random 
things like that. Hopefully there's lots of little fun stuff. I don't think I'm going for machines. I'm going to just, I haven't been to a tool show for three or four years. So right. good to just sort of catch up on where the industry's at and see what's happening. The IMTS is pretty tempting. I haven't even looked at cost of anything, but I need nothing, right? But I would mm. like to see people and like you said, see what the industry is doing. I put a link to that oscillating head sander. It's it's pretty cool. Oh, it's much simpler than I expected. Yeah, just pretty. I almost like don't trust it. Like it wouldn't be balanced or something. You can make one of those. I That's know. super simple. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Going on the list. Thank you. John and I were chatting yesterday. I think I use John's stage name, Johnny, sometimes. And other times I call him John. Oh. So John, ah. Johnny. Our machinist chatting to him yesterday about making a custom head for our tangential knife because Trinity's got an oscillating knife and a tangential knife. The tangential knife is basically just a drag knife that can change direction yep. through NC control. And we really want to be able to cut it, have the knife set on an angle. Mm -hmm. So be able to cut like wow. um, miters and stuff into acoustic felt specifically. But the angled cutting head that we can get that comes from Canada, I think is going to cost three grand or something silly. So John and I were like, let's just try and make a one. That's a pretty simple little fitting. We just need to modify our tool holder. Standing to him yesterday. So yeah, it's nice to see that example of the sander and how simple it is. Cause yeah, I think we're going to try and machine and make a little angled, like something that we can set the angle on and maybe have two or three of them. So when we're doing a job, I've got different Biter angles in the same sheet. We can just do like a tool change with a manual tool change with the tangential, but still yeah. just be able to come back, you know, put in a 45 degree biter and then come back and do a 22.5 or whatever. Mm -hmm. That'd be uh, really so cool. That'd be a fun little project. And John's machined a few aluminium projects now. So he's kind of wrapped his head around machining aluminium on the routers. And, yeah, it seems yeah, like you guys are have no issue parts. with aluminium at all. No, that's good. That's good. There's only one tool I found that does a great job. I have I need to do a bit more tool research, but there's this one Onsrad quarter inch tool, like a single flute upcut that just does a beautiful cut. And so whenever I've tried branching out and using different tooling on aluminium, I've just has it's never been as nice. The top edge is a little bit burred or something. Yep. So I just keep coming back to this one quarter inch tool and Oh flute. Are pretty common. I've found that I think it helps. We have such a weird scenario to cut aluminum on routers that mm. I found it really hard to find information on. Yeah, just a lot of it. Like, how do you enter? How do you? What are all this? It's just not much documentation on it, or there wasn't when I looked last time. But yeah, we found success with an O flute, which is the same thing. It helps to evacuate chips. I think. Yeah. No. It's coffee top up time. Coffee's for closers. Coffee's for closers only. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Back. All right, so we don't skip it this time. And I noticed as I was editing that I was bringing up something at the end of the last show, and I think it was something yeah. else, and you go, no, no, I'm ignoring that. I missed you saying yeah. it, but I think you were talking about our recountability buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. 
And you were like, and then you didn't say anything after that. And I was like, ha, he got away with it. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to pull me up on my Kitter Parts dimensions that I hadn't done. R- riding in before the podcast last week, I was like, oh, what's the time? I've Maybe I've got 20 minutes. I'll try and bash out some progress on the... But no, I Just didn't like get school. to it. But I, had, I have made progress. So I can please to report that I worked the Numi calculator pretty hard this week. And um, 90% there on the new logic the lengths yeah. of the bows and how the shelves relate to each other. I had an interesting meeting with a developer actually about the online configurator that we want to build for Kitaparts. Oh, yeah. And he made this really interesting comment. He's actually a client. We're building cabinetry for him at the moment. And then Jay was like, hey, that guy's like a gun developer, web designer. I was like, oh, is he? Really? Okay, well, <laughs> let's get him in. Like, I gave him a call and I was like, I'm not calling about the cabinets. I'm calling about this other idea. Anyway, he came in for a meeting and he made this really interesting, quite insightful comment about, we're talking about how the configurator might work just logistically yeah, and how the parts would snap together and stuff. He was like, I think you need a singular unit of measure that the entire system is kind of based on. Yep, yep, yep. And so I, was, I took that idea home and I opened up knew me on the couch and I was like, cool, my stock is 16. Well, if stock is 16 and then I just made up a multiplier that was 16 times mm-hmm. a, a multiplier and then kind of built out the whole logic of Kitaparts just off those two numbers in one little formula, basically. That's a really yeah. pleasing exercise because then I could go back and I could go, okay, and then I was, I was comparing it to paperback sizes, hardcover sizes, vinyl records, all the key things that I want to store in the new system that I want to be yep. compatible. And then looking at those starting points and going, okay, if the stock is 16.3, how does that affect the stack up of all those dimensions? Or if I change the multiplier from seven to eight, how does that change? And it's just a really nice exercise. No drawing, no CAD modeling, just a purely sort of mathematical. Yeah. Starting point was a really nice exercise that got me most of the way there to deciding what the new numbers need to be. You sent me that Slack screenshot of your yeah. progress and knew me and I, I've done that same thing in a few different ways. And I think that is a really good exploration. It's so focused, like you can only do so much with it, but it's also pretty flexible in that you change basically a parameter somewhere mm. and yep. it affects everything else. I one time did a quote while we were sitting in an airport with Numi, just based nice. on feed rates and like lengths of parts. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. That's, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of nice to do that, not in a CAD environment in a way, because you can't get distracted by like modeling or you know, what's, what should the chamfer be? Or like sort of getting yeah. distracted by like little aesthetic details. It's just like the raw, most important information only. Oh. I love how it's its own little world. So you can create I'm sure this is how people that actually know how to code feel, right? Like (laughs) I've created a variable and now I'm going to use it all these other ways. I love that feeling of like it being really effectual, but it didn't take very long to create. Have I asked you this? Do you know how to use variables in G-code? I don't. I think I Mm. would like to. I know that our router can't, and that's limited my thoughts for a Mm. while on a lot of this. I think the mill could. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, I'd suspect our router probably couldn't cope with it either, but maybe the Maso running the pencil sharpener could. I feel like that would be amazing. Be, I feel like it'd be so useful to be able to run variables in G code. 
that unit thing though, you kind of, that's a good reference point for me too, because part of setting up the grid for the Mac wall, we have shelves and things and we're literally just going to start calling them like basically by their size. I haven't formalized how we would call them. They're basically been how wide they are. So like these little bent steel shelves, we call one wide or one W because they are actually, it's two, two W. I confused myself on that a long time ago. They take up two spots. And part of what I had thought of instead of a configurator that sounds perfect, obviously, is to just create a little grid and then show how much of the grid they take up in like a graphic. Nice. So then you could easily say like, this takes up two by one or something like that yeah and yeah, yeah. still tough though yeah and no, i like that it's kind of like the what's what are those units in audio gear rack mounted oh yeah one yeah they i have, know what you mean they have a little so i can't remember the naming conventions but it's like one but and it's like that's a single black. i think it's a u potentially yeah one u maybe yeah yeah I looked cool. at those a little bit because I realized at some point that the, the width between the dowels on the kitter parts was like perfect to slot one of those rack mounted Ooh. things into. So I just need some like little 3D printed adapters to go from round dowel to the rack mount bolt pattern. And you could do what sweet. you did for that table and shear off some of the dowel and make it square. <laughs> yeah, they are cool. I need to document it properly. They got installed a couple of days ago. Classic jam, like. You put so much effort into making these unique parts and Ben did an amazing job putting the tops together and all the subframe and so much work. And then it's like, suddenly it's in a truck and on site and I haven't even got a decent photo of it or any yeah. documentation. That happens. I feel, I feel like I've had this idea for years and I've never done it. of like just calling up all our old clients and saying, Hey, I'm in Melbourne today for the whole day with a camera. Can I just drop by and yeah, check on the project and take some photos? It's common in architecture to do that. Is it? Yeah. I like to see how people are using things. Oh, for sure. I like I like to see where and like scratches and use. Yeah. I'd love to find a way to, maybe I've talked about this before, but I'd love to find a way to sort of promote where as an aesthetic. Oh, for sure. Choice. Like I think it's so much richness and texture that can be seen in a, a tabletop that's been used versus this sort of cold, hard laminate surface. Do it like you did your marketing. Send us your send us your best wear. Send us your best coffee stain. Send us your best forder mess. Tony says, what is the what's what's the name of the character that you insert the AI? My name is Don. Damn it, Jim. It's called Don. Don, Don not Tony. So the original guy is <laughs> Don LaFontaine. It was the original like in a world. In a world, I live in an app and am forced to talk about CNCs for podcasts. <laughs> so good. I haven't done a whole lot with NACWAL. I've been working on revising this T-clamp thing. Ricky did a bunch of making a box. Is the black one? Is it printed? Yeah, it's a old printed one. I, oh, this okay. is not, not new, but I just play not, with it not, on my desk. Not black anodized. No, I'm getting close. I, I have the setup basically figured out. We have this one burr area on this thing that doesn't show on this, but you can't perfectly run the round over next to that. So yep. then it's super sharp. So yeah. I kind of have an idea on how to do that now. Tumble. And we started to buy material for that photo shoot to start building the, the setup kind of cool. wall for it. Kind of spent a lot of my time otherwise fixing the printer 
the Peruso, which I wanted to kind of bring up too, because I, I was dreading that, but it also turned out to be really good because I realized in the end, this is exactly why you buy a Prusa is they have easily the best documentation I've seen of any company in terms of like how to repair something, how to tweak something. They have like color coded, arrowed step-by-step photos on their website that you can just scroll through on your phone and fix and all their parts are like easily available and you do have to sometimes buy stuff from where are they from czech republic czech republic yeah i just saw they just had an event i was watching this video where they've they've acquired a company in the united states i think it's called print solid printed solid or print solid and so now all of their parts will distribute from it's nice for us from the united states directly and it was already pretty easy I guess to get, but I was just super impressed with, I had this thing, a whole head of the printer just in pieces in the same day I was printing good parts again. Mm, pretty, pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. It's definitely an upvote for Prusa. Yeah. You've tangented it away from. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Most conveniently. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you like, if, if my locking in my dimensions is my biggest hurdle, well, currently. What's your biggest sticking point to getting knack on the market right now? I think I'm really frustrated by the kit thing. I've been bringing that thought you had last time of just don't overthink it, throw it together. And I like that, but I haven't allowed myself to just throw it together. So I've been trying to think of what's the simplest way to go about this. Like, do I just throw it out there and see if people can build their own kits or I don't know. Yeah. I've mm. definitely overcomplicated that part. And obviously the hurdle of doing a photo shoot is there, but I'm not as concerned about that as I am trying to finalize what's purchasable. Like what is the thing you can purchase? And I think the kit is the way to go. I think it'd be pretty tough to try to buy the right amount of stuff that's on it. I think that's mm. tough unless we make like the best pictographs ever yeah i think you're on to something with the naming convention of the accessories like if the names of those can help inform how much space they take up without having to scroll down and look for a dimension or something silly like that yeah i can still think though like if you did a shoot with a whole bunch of different accessories with different things going on i still think just like a basic kit with whatever i'm just looking behind you at like (laughs) What would I want on one? I would want a panel. I'd put a panel just here on my wall if I didn't have a threadboard that was going to go there. (laughs) And I would want four shelves and a whiteboard. That's probably it to start. Like just a simple thing and maybe a plant holder Mm -hmm. and a bag hook. And that would work perfectly for that. So maybe I'm, I'm not the target market. Like I can sort of think through clearly what I want to do with it but maybe that's unfair like maybe everyone you know can do that easily enough if you show four or five photos of different configurations yeah i think that visual inspiration should be enough for most people to go oh cool yeah i'll get that shelf and it's these accessories and that hanger and that that'll do me to start with yeah some of that challenge right of i I think the power of the product is that it's modular right and that you can rearrange you can choose all these different options and making it be forced to only kits to start is kind of contrary to that and that's honestly because of the limitation of how 
it feels like it would be difficult to shop for it. But I, I, I take the point, though, of with enough examples, maybe if they're keynoted or something well enough that you could just give people examples that they could make a build and somehow put that in their cart. I guess if it didn't work, maybe we check them before we ship them or something and just maybe, say like, yeah. hey, this doesn't quite work. But yeah, I've been struggling too much with that and it's definitely not good. I think I'm limiting us from being able to move forward. I think still having a kit as the starting point is essential though because I think in my experience, there's a lot of friction in having to build the kit from scratch on someone's website. And so if you just click like, nah, start a kit and that drops in just kind of the bare mm. minimum. And then you go, cool, that's got that and that, sweet. But I actually, I want, I want to add a cabinet or I want to add an, two extra shelves. For sure. I think that's going to remove a lot of friction in my mind, uh, just getting started rather than sort of being, no, no one likes a blank page, right? What's that? great quote like the tyranny of, of the blank yeah. page or something like you've got a new yeah. pen and a beautiful piece of paper it's like what's the first thing i'm going to put down yeah <laughs> i'd be i'd be closing that shopping cart pretty quickly if i had to sort of start from scratch and decide well yeah you that. definitely have to get i mean you could probably relate to one of the challenges i find with not starting with a kit is how do we calculate shipping how do we just kind of like yeah. blank rate it and just guess because like one of the products for example, the slider cabinet, we can throw smaller products inside of it. No. And then if those go together, that drastically changes the shipping price compared to if we have to ship, I don't know, something else. So maybe it just needs to be more of a of a mess to get going and yeah. And just, refine it as we go. Just get it wrong. Like just make stuff. So what if you like lose some money on shipping yeah. the first few orders? Like then you refine and Get it right. For sure. That's a good thought. Yeah, yeah. The thing I've imagined is to do the product in like elevation drawing and then show it in the context of the board with the grid and then basically nice. show how much it overlaps. Each one of those, as you're starting to add it, you could, maybe it's just mentally, but you could at least see, oh, this takes up that and to potentially use this idea of wide and, and tall. Like it's two yeah. and two so that you yeah. could amass or maybe, maybe we make a printable thing so you can draw it yourself. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Paper cutouts. Ooh. You print an Eiffel page and you cut out the, the accessories and then you can, yeah, arrange them. I like that. That's, That's way cute. cheaper than a developer. <laughs> so much cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. You just made me feel a little bit sick saying that. You could do the same. <laughs> no, no. Here's what we do is we make die cut stickers that we send to people. That's Dude. an idea. We just made our mm. money for the week, I think. Yeah, I think so. How's Save your text? Money. How's your text sniper use? Oh, it's fun. I wasn't convinced that I'd find it useful, but I've found lots of uses for it. Yeah. I think your example of being able to snip the text out of a messy purchase order and just drop it straight into Airtable or Zero has been the most useful function. Yeah, a lot of websites, right? That's the original yeah. great yeah. use, which Max can do, but I find this is way easier and faster. I'm sure it'll be superseded at some point, but it was like a $7 thing. And Yeah, yeah, I like it. What's on for your afternoon? We are currently printing Baby Pants version hotel, 
and hotel. <laughs> I was using that stupid naming mechanism, and I didn't even know that hotel was H, but I like it. We are, let's see where we get here. We are not too far. Cool. It's like an 11 hour print. I cranked up about 20% faster than it should be going. So we'll see if that makes any problems. But I did test today, which I'm kind of excited about. There's five horsepower and 10 horsepower spindles that ShopSaber sells. And my friend Dennis has 10 horsepower and I tested our little assembly on it and it works better than ours actually. Wow. So that's a pretty good success. The ES919 is the 10 horsepower and it works it's the same fitment. And then Sweet. part of the constraint of the front is actually less than our constraint. So it cool. should work great. Yeah, it's, nice. cool. it's been it's been in regular discussion here. So when when is baby pants coming out? <laughs> when are we getting the baby pants? Oh, is your soon. intention to sell printed parts or just sell files? Probably be selling the assembly. Yeah, um, great. With the acetyl and stuff as yeah. a thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like cool. ship you one. Um, the, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I don't know print-wise how it'll go, how clean will come out. And I'm hoping after we test this one that we're ready to go. Some of the last challenge is just figuring out the brush strip, which is actually a bigger challenge than I thought it would be. And I think we've mm. around to the right like measurement of the bristle. There's so many, like I've had a couple people bring up that you can have them custom made. So that's probably somewhere down the road. For now, I'm wow. just trying to use kind of off-the-shelf stuff that works yep. pretty well. But I'm hoping a couple weeks, maybe a week or two away from actually making stuff that's sellable. The changes I made are pretty minor, but they kind of facilitate easier install. And you're saying the brushes were a bit of a problem. Do the brushes, the version. Mag are they magnetic? I saw magnets in one of your things. What, what comes on and off with magnets? There's a top plate and then a bottom plate and the plates yeah. attached to each other so the bottom is where the brush attaches to yeah cool if you crash into a clamp or a fixture like the brush strips kind of kind of fall off is that the idea yeah i don't know if it's so much as a um safety measure as it is there's a couple of reasons i wanted to use it but it is what the shop saber originally comes with mm. is that kind of um here's the one we've retired that was the original shop saber but okay. you can trade the plates on and off. And nice. my intention is to, down the road, sell the tool posts that we made. And yep. we should be able to vastly improve the focus and just better dust collection by closing off more of the area. So you can change yep. the plate out and also put in spacers, right? Mm -hmm. That allow you to get closer to maybe a deeper pocket or something like that. So yeah, for now, I've just been working tooling. on the generic version. <laughs> Great. Super cool. Super cool. Soon here, hopefully. I was a little frustrated last week because I felt like I should have been doing what I'm doing now. And I instead wrenched off my brass nozzle tip. So yeah. luckily back up without much problem. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, cool, man. I think my last recommendation for this week is an episode of the Making It podcast. Ooh, which nice. I listen to during the week, which is the... The Jimmy, Bob, and David show. Mm -hmm. Jimmy DeResta and his mates. And they've been doing it for like forever, six years or something. Whenever I run out of podcasts to listen to, I just go into their stream and like scroll back randomly and like pick one of the hundreds of episodes. And I randomly chose one during the week and it was, it was 
I think days after Jimmy's shop manager, Aaron, had died. And it's just this amazing story. It's all just about Aaron and how he came to work with Jimmy. And it just really struck me like how important our working relationships are with our staff and people who come and work for us. And yeah, just it was a really nice reminder. It's a very emotionally charged episode for obvious reasons, but I think a really important thing just to acknowledge how important the people are around us. And yeah. Stop stop and think about that. I really got a lot out of that episode. I'll definitely listen to that. That's, I think about that often in terms of, it's kind of a not necessarily the same as what you're saying but i think about what happens to the podcast that i love if somebody happens to die right mm. every once in a while like will they stay online because i think about fair warning right like this thing that we're making like as soon as we stop paying for it i'm pretty sure it just disappears not really <laughs> i don't think it goes i don't it'd just be an rss feed that probably isn't there and the hosting would stop and so ah, similarly, it's like if you really like your podcasts, you may want to like save those somewhere. Mm, but good to know. Yeah, I get so much value out of listening to certain podcasts. That's not really your point, but I just think about that. Yeah, yeah. It makes you appreciate, I think, the people like you're saying that you work with in a different way or family or any of those things. It's just mm. a good memory of mindfulness of yep. life. Yep, yep, yep. And on that somber note. I was going to say good note. Good note. Cool. In shop news here, the uh, pencil sharpener's been busy printing double-ended parts. No problems after your weird glitch? Yeah, still still get glitches. Get this USB error. Crops up pretty regularly. I think it's an electrical interference issue. Oh, interesting. Which I need to dig into at some point when I feel like I've got half a day to blow. But it's a pretty quick reset and start again and off we go. But, uh, I suppose that's one of the things you don't get from buying a manufacturer-made machine yeah. is they haven't figured out all those weird bugs for you. That's it. I suppose if it yeah, works well just, enough. That's it. Nice. Yeah, I finished baby pants again here, and I need to finish up, spend some time. It's always hard to just, like, make myself focus to, like, what are these kits going to be for the wall, right? Like, what are those final steps? They're, they're not just go make something or design something. It's mm-hmm. like more deciding on on real factors yeah yeah need need to put it in my default diary yeah i find something that helps me be more decisive with stuff like that is to just do it at the final point where it's going to be published so like get into shopify make a new product and just actually start fleshing out variants i might scrap it all or do it like four times before i'm happy with the sort of the variant logic but i find that a really useful tool like to make me commit it's just like jump into Shopify and like have it so it can pretty much press publish or go live or whatever it is and it'll be there. Hey, notice a bunch of stuff you guys are doing with Shopify that's pretty cool. Do you leave all those as like draft then when you're making those variant developing those products? Yeah. Yeah. They just sit there as drafts. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So Mm. maybe I'll try that. Yeah. Yeah. Can be informative because you run into limitations with Shopify's three options and stuff like that. It just helps inform the yeah the logic sure. of the offering. That is something that I've been up against already. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. it's a good good lots, chat. Lots to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to go make stuff. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye.
Nice. That's good. Like we're getting longer and longer each week. Yeah, a little bit. It's funny because it'll it'll be like an hour ten, like it is now, and somehow they end up being forty two, like forty nine. Yeah, I've been amazed how consistently as the edits have ended up being. I just use the script feature where I just say I want it to be between forty two and forty nine <laughs> minutes, and it just cuts arbitrarily. All those curse words that get taken out.